Okay, well, I'm joined today with Troy Mayer, Ethan Baker, and thanks again for joining with us. Uh, I know that last week we had some tef- technical difficulties on my part, and, and so we, we weren't able to get our weekly update in last week. We'll do our best to sort of backtrack and, and summarize what we talked about last week and then uh, move on to the business of this week. But first question, as always, is how are you doing and how's the family doing with uh, staying at home? Happy to be doing this again, Andrew. I'm again thankful that you are continuing to keep this up and working hard for the Troy Somerset Gazette and for the people of Troy. I think I say week after week, but and yes, last week we we did do this, but we had some technical difficulties. So uh, we'll just get it all in this week. Um, to your question, we're again, I you know, I think we're doing as well as everybody else is, and that could be looked at in many different ways. But we're we're hanging in and. Um, working hard to make sure we keep the message out to people that even though it gets harder and harder each week to stay at home, it still is the best thing for the city and, you know, trying to set good examples, obviously, um, for our kids and for our neighbors. And it's an important lesson for all of us to learn and we're making it through, but same, same complaints, same joys as always. Let's talk about the city council meeting that was held last Monday. There were three points of business in particular and some public comment as well. Uh, The city extended the emergency declaration uh, in compliance with uh, the state's um, there was an authorization for personal protective gear for the uh, firefighters and the fire department. And then as far as public comment, there was uh, some uh, one in particular um, uh, landscaping business that had questions about what the legalities or if the city could do anything. So let's kind of hit those three bullet points first with the emergency declaration extension. Is it pretty much uh, just a st- standard protocol to make it in compliance with the state? And is there anything that differs with um, what the city's declaration is versus the states? Well, standard protocol, I think, in this situation is a little bit hard to say. I, this is certainly a, a very unprecedented and unusual situation for the city of Troy, as it is for the country and world. But, uh, you know, we originally at our March 16th meeting, we had um, done a formal uh, state of emergency declaration, and it seemed in line with what everything was happening at the state level at that time. Um, when we had our meeting uh, last Monday, it was uh, April 13th, it was apparent to us that we wanted to just update it a little bit to include some of the language that had been recently added to uh, Governor Whitmer's April 9th state of emergency declaration. So we we updated some language, most of the bulk of it remained the same, but one of the things we did do that substantively changes it is tied it directly to the state's official emergency declaration. So ours will automatically terminate when the state's does. We had an an open-ended End time before, and that seemed like the right thing to do. But it, it also it just addressed some of the um, additional orders that Governor Whitmer had put in place, including the um, the non-essential versus essential business, and um, what exactly we could do as a city, and how we should be enforcing or not enforcing. And again, the city of Troy is um, we cede all of our power to the county and state government in these situations, and we have no individual power as a city to open or close a private business. As far as the um, equipment that was approved for the fire department, what I know that they're all getting masks right now, but they also are getting some additional gear. So what was approved, what were the costs, and what exactly are they getting? So our police and fire, all of our first responders have N95 masks that came from the county government, which came, I believe, from the national stockpile originally at, at one point. Um, but we had, um, at our last meeting, we authorized an emergency purchase that our city manager, Mark Miller, had made to provide additional gear and equipment that works with our respirators and masks that our fire department just recently had received in the last year. 
updated equipment. Um, we like to keep them with top-of-the-line equipment. Our fire department's all volunteer. One of the things we pride ourselves on is having a wonderful volunteer fire department, but also providing them with the most up-to-date and best equipment. So this, what this did is um, it allowed them to have better protection um, as a first responder during this COVID-19 time. And of course, those, those, uh, that equipment will be useful even after this pandemic has ended. But it will also free up N95 masks for our police and hospitals and other things as well. So it, it was kind of a, a transfer of such. In the meantime, they're still using their N95 masks until that new equipment does come in. But it's something we felt that was important. Our city manager used his emergency powers to make that purchase, and we as a council had to ratify it at our next scheduled meeting, which was last week. Quick follow-up with that one. I saw a news uh, program clip that uh, was, I think, highlighting either Bloomfield Hills Fire Department or something like that, where the firefighters are having to gear up almost in full protection uh, equipment, which is not uh, not as common normally when they're going to uh, smaller jobs or just um, going out on the scene for something. Have you noticed that the police and fire and first responders in Troy are taking extra precautions like that, just on a um, not a case by case basis anymore, but on a you know straightforward for all calls? Sure. Well, they don't know what they're going to get, uh, what they're going to come into when they arrive somewhere. So they are taking all necessary precautions. I'm not sure exactly which news piece you're talking about and if it was Bloomfield Hills or not. I, I'm not familiar exactly with what they've done, but I know that we're making sure that they follow all proper safety and health protocol and definitely taking extra precautions in these times because when you're approaching somebody, whether you're a policeman or woman or a firefighter, you don't know if they're contagious. And so you have to be well protected at that point. And of course, they're practicing social distancing and all the other CDC guidelines as well. So it's definitely a, a different experience for them, something that they're having to work uh, very hard at to make sure they stay compliant with because you know they're used to doing their jobs a certain way and we depend on them to have consistency in how they do their jobs. But they've adapted very, very well. Um, the good news for Troy, um, you asked specifically about the fire department, but I'll, I'll transfer over to the police department a little bit. Our uh, calls for service were substantially down in March and April. As you can imagine, I mean, with stay-at-home orders and less people driving, there's less, there's virtually no retail fraud, which is one of the big crimes that happens in Troy. So our calls for service were way, way down. So that has um, helped keep our city safe, and it also has helped keep our police officers safe as well. So it's that's one positive I think you can say out of this pandemic. Certainly. Uh, Tying in one of the last points from the council meeting, which was a public comment from a a business owner who owned a landscaping company, and also more broadly just talking about the frustrations you might be hearing from businesses in the city as as far as what is deemed essential. um, A lot of pushback on this latest stay-at-home order from the governor is that it's uh, too aggressive um, with with, um, shutting down businesses that are not essential, Um, one of those being landscaping business, which the owner... um, was asking if there's anything that the city can do. Uh, I know, um, at least the, from what I've heard, um, that certain other cities are disobeying some of the stay-at-home orders or not enforcing. Um, the city of Troy certainly has a track record of, of uh, not doing that, of enforcing any any uh, rules and orders that come down from the county or state level. Is that what people can expect still? Is there any leeway that can be had for businesses that might be towing the line of essential or non-essential? You could argue there's some health cases in the case of uh, landscaping or anything like that? Well, I think everything you just said basically is kind of what we're dealing with and grappling with at this point. And it it definitely is varying day to day on how we look at um, how we're going to deal with the landscape business, especially in lawn care. And I feel 
tremendously for the landscapers and the lawn care business people who maybe maybe they don't have snow removal during the winter to supplement their income in that way or maybe you know wasn't a big winter wasn't a heavy snow fall this winter so they didn't have a lot of work so they're dependent on getting started up in april and getting their business going and unfortunately they're told at the state level they can't do that and they're deemed not essential which is a tough thing for anybody to say because i think if you ask anybody whether or not you know you're deemed essential or non-essential isn't isn't really a nice way to look at it, because I know I'm sure you and I, I as well. My paycheck is essential. You know I need I need the work regardless of if what people consider my work to be. Um, so I think that's the struggle everyone's having. Um, the city of Troy has, is known for its consistency in following the law and the rules, and we're certainly not uh, comfortable or going to take the position in opposition to what the governor's order is telling us we need to do. It's twofold, really. Uh, one, it's just not who we are as a city. And our city management, management and city attorney's office have, have researched a lot of these things and gone through it at a heavy level to try to figure out what works best. Um, but the other aspect of that is, even if we said, no, we're not going to enforce it or we're not going to have our police officers potentially ticketing or having landscapers go home, we've been told that the, the county prosecutor would compel us to do it anyway. Um, so it's it's really not something the city of Troy can do to not enforce. I know some other municipalities and maybe even some counties up north have taken the stance that they're not going to enforce. Uh, my hunch is as we, you know, here we are getting closer to the end of April at this point, although I'm just looking out at hail and snow falling down and it seems a little strange to me. But as we approach the end of April, it's going to potentially become an essential business to have lawn and um, landscaping looked at because we do have a, an obligation in the city of Troy to manage public health, safety, and welfare. And at a certain point, yes, it would be potentially a, a bad for the public health and safety if um, grasses and lawns and weeds were left untreated and became out of control. So I foresee a, a, a time coming very soon where lawn care businesses and landscapers will be able to get back out there because their, their work will be essential to keep our public health in a good place. I also think and speculate likely that the governor will do something similar as we approach the April 30th end of her current order. So I'm hopeful that we can all work together and figure something out. I know it's been very, very tough for the landscapers and lawn care businesses in our city. And I know that there are lots of um, seniors and other people who just don't even have lawn mowers because they're used to contracting for those services. So if we can hang tight a little bit longer, I'm, I'm hopeful in the next week or so we'll have some forward progress on that. And a, a quick follow-up on that one, which we did address uh, last week, too, is that this, especially when it comes to landscaping and lawn care, that it's um, the business aspect, it's the commerce aspect of it that is not allowed. Um, if there is a volunteer or a neighbor who's willing to step up who has a lawnmower, uh, that is allowed. Is that correct? That is correct. It, it, the order, as it came down from the governor, has been interpreted by our city attorney, allows for a neighbor to help out a neighbor even a neighborhood teenager to help out a neighbor as long as there's proper social distancing. Um, but yes, there are options. And I've been, I've received quite a few calls and emails where I've helped try to connect neighbors or reminded people of that. And they've been very thankful that they've been able to have that option because it does help. And um, we absolutely want to let you know that, you know, there are options out there. And um, oh, the other important aspect of that is the city of Troy does have a, has an ordinance that requires and could cite you if your grass grows above eight inches. We're nowhere near that level at this point, I don't think, or at least not as I look outside now. But if that ever became an issue, we have, um, the city has agreed to, to not enforce that provision of our ordinance right now because that just doesn't seem fair, obviously. So we wouldn't cite you for having grass that's too long. 
And you mentioned the April 30th deadline for the current stay-at-home order. We're anticipating some sort of new order to come down for May. Are you um, anticipating uh, certain aspects of the things to change? Um, and maybe we can speak more broadly as well to how people are doing. You've seen recent protests in the state uh, at the Capitol, uh, people not practicing uh, f- uh, physical distancing uh, intentionally as sort of a, a revolt against this uh, stay-at-home order, which people are thinking goes a step too far. Are you anticipating something um, that reels back a little bit on the things that people were frustrated with with the stay-at-home order? Or are you anticipating pr- potentially the same, if not more strict enforcement because of the fact that people haven't been respecting uh, the stay-at-home order? And maybe just in general what you're hearing from the, the, the residents in Troy. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure what to expect coming out of Lansing in the next 10 days or so. I think that, uh, I'm sure we would know before the next 10 days, that probably about a week or so is my, my guess. I think that, you know, unfortunately, we're in a highly charged political atmosphere, and it is an election year at the national level and all the state offices here. Well, some of the state offices, not all of them, obviously. Um, so I think that is playing a role, unfortunately, and that does cut on against both sides. Um, I... I'm hopeful that there will be some changes to what we are doing currently in this next order. I think that can only happen if our numbers continue to decrease and it shows that there is some kind of um, significant improvement in, uh, in the state of our, our public health. Uh, I think remember, we have to remember this is a public health order, first and foremost, and if people are still getting sick at an alarmingly high level and still dying at a high level, then that needs to be addressed. Um, it appears that the curve is being flattened in Michigan, which is good news. Um, we do need to continue to focus on testing to find out what we can do to get back out there. Um, the, so do, do I have any idea what I think the governor will do next? I really don't know. You know, there's lots of different options, whether it's kind of a phased opening, certain um, businesses will be allowed to be reopened with still practicing the social distancing guidelines. There's that that I've kind of heard floated around. I've also heard a, a plan floated, which breaks it down into regions. You know, um, unfortunately for Troy, we're in the um, we're in the hotbed all of it. You know, Oakland County, Wayne County, and Washtenaw County and Macomb County. I mean, we're Southeast Michigan is still the hardest hit part of the state. So, I wouldn't if they if it was based on regional reopening, I would expect that we'd be among the last areas to reopen. So, I'm not sure how that'll play out. Um, but, you know, certainly people are, uh, the vast majority of people are understand, I don't, I don't know if they understand, but they are at least following the rules and staying home and only doing essential things when they go out. Other people, you know, have had a different opinion about it and have taken actions and some are protesting and everyone's got a right to protest. And I certainly would never say it's not okay to protest. I think that people have that right. And it's one of our First Amendment rights, a very important thing and part of our country. Um, I do hope that people who are protesting are still being as safe as they can. I, mean, I don't think any of them would want to inadvertently spread any of this disease or put themselves or their family members at risk. So there's always that to balance against it. But that's where we really are. It's really difficult to balance public health with economic health and where do you draw the line and what's more important. And then you go to that next level and there's certainly an argument that's getting made that well, the longer you keep the economy shut down, the more it's going to do damage to our mental health, which and other problems in our society. So there's definitely something that has to be figured out, um, but it has to be a decision based on, on data, on testing, and 
always, I do think we have to err on the side of protecting our public health. Um, I just don't know how you come up with that, those metrics necessarily in, in this moment. Um, but hopefully we will get to something. I do suspect that, and even the governor said, it looks like there'll be some changes to the May 1st order and we'll be um, moving forward in a little bit better direction. Because I know people are aching to get back to work and aching to get back out there and do the things that they need to do, but also love to do. So I, I'm hopeful that there'll be some good positive changes coming up at the end of this month. Um, moving over to the hospitals, you mentioned that the curve was uh, looking like it was flattening. Are you hearing anything from Troy Beaumont Hospital to that effect as well, that um, they're not as overwhelmed? I know there's still a lot of new patients that are coming in, but um, have you heard anything as far as any dire needs or any supply needs or anything um, that's going on within Troy Beaumont Hospital specifically, and if there's anything that uh, anyone can do to help, uh, what that might be? Well, you know, it's the same always. They always need the personal protective equipment because when you're working long shifts day after day, you go through a lot of it, and we need it when you're coming in contact with that many people. So we continue to have great groups of people donating masks and gowns and shields to our hospital workers, heroes, and we need to continue to have that if we can. And I am very proud of our city of Troy for all the work they've done and the groups that have come together and really rallied on behalf of these hospital workers. Um, our Troy School District has done great things. Um, independent groups have done a lot of wonderful things. Friends and neighbors that I know have handmade masks and have done a lot of donating of their time and of their resources to make sure people have the supplies they need. Uh, you know, we hear good things on the, the regional level that, you know, where originally they were planning for a thousand beds at the suburban auto place, Sherman Collection, um, they modified that down to only do 250 beds. So that says to me that, okay, it looks like they're not expecting it to be as bad as they had thought. Um, we've also heard a lot about how you, you go to the emergency room at one of our hospitals, they're not as busy as they once were because a lot of people are not getting the care that they do need, um, separate aside from COVID-19 related um, illnesses and problems. So it's there's definitely a a shift, I think, in how our hospitals are, are handling this and what the, the needs they have. But the reality is these nurses and doctors and healthcare workers have been there around the clock for many, many days, and I'm sure they are getting, um, getting tired and working hard still to keep us safe, and we have to always honor them and respect them for that. Uh, I've been very um, pleased to hear of several small businesses in Troy and certainly throughout the state, but here in Troy where They've been putting together donations of lunches and drinks and you know coffee and different kinds of things for our, our healthcare heroes, and I've worked with a couple of them to coordinate that. So I know just last Saturday, um, Quickly Boba Cafe um, here in Troy donated 110 lunches, um, their, their rice and chicken boxes with their, their boba tea drinks to um, certain employees at Troy Beaumont. So, I mean, I, people are doing things like that, and I think that that is, a, uh, again, a testament to the good people we have in Troy and how much we care about the people who are working in our hospitals. Uh, last point I wanted to talk about was yesterday's budget meeting. In these times, I imagine a city budget is uh, somewhat... Uh, up in the air for some things, but maybe there are some things that need to continue uh, as always. How did the budget meeting go as far as the process, and um, what can you tell me about some of the specifics? Sure. Well, obviously, we are, again, in unprecedented times, and typically our budget is a, uh, our budget process is a little bit different. We we usually have two budget study session meetings in April. Um, last night was the first scheduled. There are obviously public meetings. Usually they're at our, our city hall boardroom where the public can come in and participate. 
Um, and then we have um, an opportunity to have good discussion with city staff and city management about the budget. The city manager proposes our budget, council then reviews it and approves it. Um, but we instead had to have a virtual meeting last night, obviously, because of the governor's stay-at-home order. So we had, a, we had our budget study session, first meeting last night, and it went very, very well. And it's available on YouTube, the city's YouTube. Um, you can look for that, and, of course, and I think it'll also be linked at our website under our, um, in our archive of meetings, as are all of our meetings. Um, but we had the city manager present the proposed budget for fiscal year 20 to 21, and we then had a good discussion about it and made plans to try to figure out how we were going to work toward approving this. Our charter requires that we approve our budget by the second meeting in May, which is May 18th this year. We don't know when we'll be back meeting in City Hall, so we were trying to figure out how exactly we're going to work through that process. Because of the governor's order regarding virtual meetings, we're allowed to approve that budget um, online as we have been doing other essential business. Um, but there's a public hearing component to part of our budget approval process, and we want to make sure that the public has adequate opportunity to be involved um, and comment and ask questions and have us respond. So. We will likely do a lot of it virtually up until then, uh, but hopefully by the May 18th meeting, if not May 11th meeting, we will be able to be in City Hall and potentially have a public hearing. We're not so sure at this point, but uh, right now the public hearing is scheduled for May 11th, and um, if we approve it that night, we can. Otherwise, we can continue the public hearing until May 18th, which maybe then an in-person public hearing could happen, and we could approve it then. As for the budget itself, it is interesting to try to craft a budget and a three-year plan during the middle of a global pandemic where you're not sure exactly what's going to happen with the economics of the city. On the, on the flip side of that, the city of Troy is unique in many ways in that it's not dependent on income or sales taxes or usage fees to make up the bulk of its uh, budget. So the bulk of our budget is made up of property taxes, which have a lag period for any collection issues or any valuation issues. So our proposed 20 to 20, uh, 2020 to 2021 budget is pretty much based as if there's no issue in the economy because our property tax values are already set. Um, so it looks very much like a standard budget otherwise. There are some unknowns. Obviously, our um, state shared revenue would be potentially at risk a little bit uh, as the economy affects the state as a whole. And certainly some of our usage fees are down with the community center and other places, but are also down our costs related to that. So it, it almost is a little bit of a wash when it comes to that. So the city's budgeting process is very conservative. We're very fortunate to have good, strong reserves, and we can weather the storm without issue. Um, but it's very difficult to budget for what ifs. So we will have to wait and see what happens as the economic downturn it looks like plays out and see what that does to us but we have ample opportunity to do budget amendments throughout the year and to make any changes that we need to make that's all out in the process so we're not too worried in that respect we can certainly make the changes we need to when we need to but in the meantime we've got a sound budget put forward that's based on you know the factors that we know and we're in good shape Oh, Mr. Mayor, I appreciate your time. Uh, we'll be certain to check in with you next week, uh, pending uh, the technical <laughs> difficulties aside. But I do appreciate your time, and, and we look forward to talking with you next week. You too, Andrew. Thank you very much. Thanks. Appreciate it.